0: If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio show outoflimradio dot com. I'm your host Ryan. I just want to say that we have just shattered our all-time monthly listenership record. By two hundred and thirty eight percent. So August was the highest month by far. So I wanna thank all of you so much for telling people about the show, sharing the show, being a part of it, especially the beloved council of elders, the core group of listeners. Um, it is a honor to do this show and it is not just about the amount of listeners to the program, but it's I feel like the the show's lately have just been a, a good flow, so I'm I'm, I'm thrilled. So thank you. Tonight, our featured guest is going to talk about what you can do to take control of your health. Really put on the fast track. A year ago, about a year ago, I had COVID, and it was awful. And flicker on. Again, thankful so much. She came to the rescue, and she did whatever she could. And some of the other people did as well. But taking your health seriously is one of the most important things because your body is a vehicle that you're kind of navigating your way through life. And our featured guest is going to give you some tips and advice you may not hear on a regular basis. Let us begin. It is a tremendous honor to welcome back to our show, Dr. Elena George, ear, nose, and throat surgeon. She's also the host of a wonderful podcast called Living in the Solution. And she's had Dylan Charles, who we featured on our show before, and a lot of other great guests. A little more about Dr. George by going to her website at Dr. Elena georgecom Dr. George, welcome back. It's uh, great to have you.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Pleasure to be with you.
0: All right. So the last time we spoke was around March of 2021, and, you know, the world obviously got progressively crazier, and a lot of things that you said and that show came true, and I hope people can go back and listen to that because it's, it's astounding and how many things you were saying. So... Based on last year and based on this year, what would you say would be two things that you're surprised that actually came true and what were two things that you're pretty much thankful didn't come true?
1: (laughs) That's a tough question. Um, uh, You know, honestly, Ryan, I'm not so surprised that anything that I said um, came true. I mean, with the, the advent of the lockdowns and the movement of healthcare towards uh, consolidation and corporatization strategy. It wasn't surprising that the healthcare system became what it is now. And it's not really about patient care anymore. It's not about individualized healthcare, unfortunately. And I don't think that's gonna change. I think patients are gonna have to change. And that means you need to start taking care of yourself, your family, making conscious decisions instead of depending on the healthcare system to bail you out. I think it's under siege, it's under stress, and I unfortunately don't see any way back to where it used to be. I think that's changed. And you're going to have to start finding doctors who understand that and are your advocate and who are about fixing the problem, not just medicating a solution or trying to get to a solution by medicating it. I think that's the best way to put it.
0: Thank you. I'm really glad you brought that up because my recent experiences with the doctors that I that I go to, and I have to say I'm very thankful. I think they they are really professional, but there's always that underlying thing, well, did you get your vax? Do you want to get the vax? Let's see what medicine we can put you on. And that is the last thing I want to do. I mean, I had to go on blood pressure and medicine briefly. But I I, I I did whatever I could naturally to get off of that. So, mm-hmm. from the mentality of a, a primary care doctor like you, compared to somebody who's in, let's say, that that system, what mm-hmm. are the two mentalities when somebody first sees a patient? Like, how would you look at a patient? How would you think that a typical uh, healthcare facility will look at a patient? What are the, some of the, the similarities and differences you think that you you, you and they have? Well, the
1: first difference. I think the systems are different, right? So we're talking about healthcare um, that's being driven by a hospital-based system versus somebody in private practice who who does not get their paycheck from a hospital. Those are the two avenues that you have to look at, independent versus non-independent physician. And as an independent doctor, and the people that I see, I see them as a whole patient. So they're not just coming in with an ailment that I need to medicate to get them out and get them get the next patient in. And it's about time. So I think I've said it before on your show, when I see a patient, the new patient, the average time is about 45 minutes. That's well above the average, which is about seven minutes per visit. So we have time to sit, to talk, to, for them to give their whole history. And that's another thing if you need a doctor who's going to listen. So if someone's already walked in and they're writing a prescription on a the computer, they're not facing you, they're not interacting with you. I would walk with my you know walk with my pocketbook and my feet out of that office because it's not about healthcare in that situation it's about volume and volume is not healthcare it can't be your problem even if you're coming in for sinus infection it's a different problem a different reason than somebody somebody else so I can't figure that out in 7 minutes and I think patients need to have a higher degree of respect for themselves I think they put up with a lot where patients are treated like cattle. No one's listening to them. They don't get a call back. They have a reaction to a medication perhaps, and they never hear from the doctor. I have a patient, a friend who had surgery post-op, open-heart surgery, and was in pain. She never got a call back from the doctor's office. That's outrageous. That's crazy. So It is. I mean, you're like a week out from surgery. You have to be in pain. Nobody calls you back. This is where patients need to become their own advocates. Don't take this. You don't have to. And I think people are settling as if this is the only thing that, that's out there. If you leave these practices and you tell them, I'm not interested in being treated like this, that practice will close or they'll step up to the plate and start providing customer service. So they're only going to do what they're allowed to get away with. And they only understand money in this system. Withdraw your consent. That's the key. I don't care what it is. If it's a big box store, if it's a doctor's office, if it's somebody you voted for and you're not happy with them, you'd stop doing the same thing expecting the same result, right? So, Or a different result, I should say. So that's the difference between when people walk into my office, I'm going to listen to the entire story. I'm going to make a treatment plan based on what's best for the patient. And quite frankly, we decide together what that care is going to be i'm not just telling them from on high i'm going to give them all their options the pros and cons and together we'll make a treatment plan that's how my office works and that's how independent doctors focus that's a completely different ball game from someone who walks in like you like you just described you just put on a blood pressure medicine forget about exercise diet you know that's not even an option it's just throw you on a medicine if it doesn't work then you're going to get a second one that's not appropriate
0: yeah, I and mean, then that's what they did. I mean, I went to a doctor, Doctor George, recently, and they wanted to prescribe me ibuprofen. I'm like, well, I can go to the mm-hmm. store and get it, but they I, they wanted to get the prescription. They wanted to get the key about it, and I, and I can and I can see when I go into these offices because I usually have something go wrong every year, but then when I go through it, I experience it, and you see that they they're just all they're they're, they're looking whatever they can do to push the medicine. And I'm curious, you know, because you're somebody who takes a lot of time with your patients, and you're looking mm-hmm. for the core. Underlying factors. I mean, do you think that because you could be really because you're really good at what you do, that does that in some way, shape, or form put you at a financial disadvantage compared to others who are just saying, okay, well, look, okay, because we have patients that are getting better. (laughs) Isn't it isn't based on people who are getting sick? So how does it work if you if you treat your patients amazingly
1: and they just my. I'm going to answer that question very easily. My fiduciary responsibility is not to a hospital. I am not a volume-based uh, cost center for a hospital. I'm a doctor, I'm a physician, and I treat my patient. And because I have a small office, I don't have a thousand billers and all of this ancillary staff. It's me and about two other people. And it's direct patient care. You don't need to, spend, to charge a lot. I haven't changed my fee schedule for years. You don't need to have all of this fluff. And I don't need to make billions of dollars, quite frankly. I'm quite comfortable with seeing a patient, and I'm still open after 23 years, so I must be doing something right. So it's not about how much money you charge. And quite frankly, I don't want to do the same thing every day, Ryan. If someone's coming up with the same problem over and over again, that's a problem in my opinion. I want you to come in for something else. And I get my patients from word of mouth and from how they're treated. So I'm not lacking for patients. And if people who leave my office leave satisfied and better than they came in than I did my job. So it's a different mindset. If you're just there to make a buck and to get them in, get them out, you don't really care about what the outcome is. You just next. That's not healthcare. I don't know how people do that. And I think that the morale in that system of the, of the healthcare professionals in that system, they're not happy. They're demoralized and they just do it. And then 501, they're out of there. And as soon as they're, (laughs) On call, they're not paying attention. I don't feel that way at all. So I I have a higher standard for myself and my patients. And I hope that I've instilled that into them so that they're not going to settle if they're in another doctor's office. And frankly, doctors like myself refer to other doctors who think like we do. So it's a whole separate system. It's thriving, quite frankly, outside of this corporate gulag that people find themselves in. And It's about prevention, it's about health, it's about thriving, and it doesn't have to break the bank. And quite frankly, if you're not in a hospital, you're not breaking a bank. And it's very transparent. You know what the cost is before you leave my office, before you come to my office, you know what you're gonna be paying, no surprises. Because if we can cut the middleman out, and most of the time if I can stay out of an insurance plan or the patients come in self-pay, it's absolutely transparent. The only problem we ever have is the stupid insurance companies who don't, who who control the pocketbook, and they get to decide what the course of treatment is. I try to stay out of those plans as much as possible, and I don't take a lot of plans who who do that to the patients. But honestly, if you're paying for yourself, that is your best way of staying healthy, and keeping your money in your pocket.
0: I'm really glad you, you said that, and. I do that with a dentist. It's not really involved in mm-hmm. that. So I feel like they definitely get a higher quality care. And I think the, I'm so happy that you presented that aspect of moral judgment that you don't really see that much. Do you think that some of the doctors got demoralized in the wake of COVID with the vaccine? Because I just don't understand how when they were, they had to get that thing out and they were pushing for it, it happened such a short period of time, how that – that didn't set off some alarm bells, at least on the critical thinking front, saying, you know, why do I have to give this to somebody even though it hasn't had enough um, years of tra- years of studies? But they, they got this thing out so fast. I was wondering mm-hmm. if you think that that had something to do with it or if there was added pressure to diagnose people with COVID um, overall.
1: Oh. Well, let me answer it again this way. Think about the financial incentives. People were paid. There's a code for whether or not someone had COVID. There was a code for whether you thought someone had COVID. And you were paid a differential fee from the government uh, based on your diagnosis. If they were in the ICU and they were intubated, that was a separate pay, pay scale. If they unfortunately passed away with COVID, that was a pay scale. So you had to follow the money on this. And this was from the coding from the WHO from the bigger players in this system of the coding system there was a financial incentive all the way through and on the doctor side i can't speak to it because i'm not an employee of a hospital however i did hear and i do know that people were coerced into taking or, or you know going into this system otherwise they would lose their job they would lose their financial stability. And unfortunately, it wasn't just doctors. It's every profession, whether that's so airline industry, everybody who was employee of some sort of employee of an entity, they were forced or um, let's I wouldn't say forced, but their job depended on it. It was their decision that they had to make whether they were going to do it or not. But it was under duress. Let's put it that way.
0: that's awful that there was so much, so much pressure on it. Based on what you've seen or observed with people that have gotten the vaccine compared with those who haven't, are you, anything, are you noticing anything significant as far as health changes or how people, if you've gotten the vaccine, respond to an onslaught of, uh, of flu? Do, do you think there's any comparable difference that you can see right away? Do you think it may be something that we'll see years from now?
1: I don't think anybody can tell you because it is just it's an experimental uh, situation. And everybody's in the experiment right now. So no one can say any long-term effects. They can't. And for someone to say it's healthy, they can't say it. For someone to have a doom and gloom um, you know, outcome, they really can't say it either. But in the heat, in real time, patients are coming in and they're having more infections and they're harder to treat and they're coming in with uh, infections that are a little unusual in terms of what you culture. Um, I've seen a lot of patients who've had the shot get COVID again. So those are things that are just straightforward, what you see in your practice. A lot more inflammation, a lot more um, hearing from, from an ENT standpoint, ringing in the ear and hearing loss. That's been a dizziness. That's been things that I've seen a little bit more outside the norm. That's just an ENT practice. I don't know about cardio, cardiothoracic and the other parts of healthcare system. You'd have to ask that particular specialty. But I don't think the people are as healthy as they used to be. Let's put it that way.
0: Maybe I wouldn't be surprised. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, it seems that like people are under a lot of stress and it's not like they're, they're making it easy to attain high quality health food. I mean, even, even though the inflation is hitting McDonald's, I guess maybe less people will go there, eat fast food. But it seems that there's this greater emphasis on, you know, accessibility to foods that are healthy for you from what you can see and what you observe. What are maybe three underlying health conditions that people have that tend to be the root cause for a multitude of other health conditions, like certain people will say, well, I have inflammation, or I've got aches, or I've got pains, or I'm, not, or I'm not able to breathe properly. Are there three kind of underlying health conditions that are, seem to be common, or maybe two underlying health conditions that, that tend to be the, the base for many other common health conditions?
1: I think um, your baseline inflammation, based on what you eat in terms of sugar, Sugar is definitely a problem and it contributes to a lot of medical issues, whether that's diabetes and chronic inflammation. So, I mean, if you're asking, I'm sorry, I think I'm, I want to make sure I understand your question from a standpoint of ma- many diseases. Inflammation is the baseline, right? Okay, yeah. Sugar is one of the major players in causing inflammation, And it sounds a little bit outside the box, but your mindset is also important. Mind and body are actually connected. So if you're living in a stress mode where everything is just overwhelming, that's a setup to get sick, whether that's going to be heart disease, whether it's going to be blood pressure issues or diabetes, those are all issues that are tied to stress. So being able to handle your stress, and I'm not sure I'm asking your question properly, but I think this fits all diseases, whether it's cancer, whether it's heart, whether it's diabetes, you really have to learn to, if you can't control something, find an alternate way of releasing it. Because if you don't, it will make you sick. And what you eat dovetails with inflammation. So we need to cut the sugar out of our diets. We need to eat clean. So if it's not organic, it's time to start reducing it in your diet. Wheat's a perfect example. It's laden with glyphosate because of the way it's um, harvested. They spray the the weeds, I'm sorry, the wheat after it's cut in order to dry it. So organic food is key. Organic grass-fed meats are key. Um, drinking water, having making sure your vitamin D level is is high normal. It's really important because vitamin D is one of the most important hormones to maintain your 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 health. decreased risk of cancer if your vitamin D levels are high normal, which is anywhere from 50 to 70 and up. Um, Making sure that you get good quality sleep because your immune system resets when you sleep at night. So sleeping at, you know, staying on the internet and staying up until two or three and then going to work in the morning is not the best answer. And quite frankly, the internet's not great either for the EMFs. So, it sounds, again, something I had to learn myself, if you have everything wireless, you really have to wire it now because that frequency, that, that EMF that it gives, electromagnetic frequency that it gives off, it affects the body, it affects the nerve nervous system, the cardiovascular system, how you sleep, and it really does, we're, we're bathing in it, so we really do need to stop. And simple things like turning off your router, you get a cutoff switch, which will turn off your router for the hours that you sleep and pop it on in the morning. It's amazing. I just did that one thing and I slept so much better turning your phone off onto airplane mode or off completely instead of leaving it at the bedside when you're sleeping could just bombarding you with EMF. There's three antennas, the wireless, the Bluetooth, and the um, actual cellular signal. They each give off a blast of EMF every few seconds so you're literally bathing yourself in it. It's amazing how it can affect your, your quality of life, how you think, anxiety, your concentration. It's amazing. So I think going back to basics, in a dark room with nothing nothing plugged in, don't watch TV and try to go to bed. Don't read and leave your, you know, leave your laptop or your, your iPad in the bed with you. All these things are, are messing with our health
0: i love what you said i thought there was a wonderful answer and i think you really nailed the heart of what you're talking about some of the basics especially when it comes to sugar because that's something I'm, I'm actually learning right now i um i've had inflammation that has been increased when i've had sweet stuff so i've com- completely cut that out mm-hmm. notice a significant change and i love that you mentioned stress controlling stress if you look at the fundamentals of how the cells work. Okay, like say for example, you know, your brain is telling yourselves, or maybe correct me if I'm please correct me if I'm wrong, but if your brain is kind of a quarterback and it's kind of telling the cells what mm-hmm. to do, if you are, let's say, praying on a regular basis, if you are in a state of gratitude on a regular basis, or you are, you know, showing um, signs of uh, affection for your heart and for your body, telling you how much you love it, and in some way, shape, or form, are you kind of taking um a bit of a um giving yourself a bit of an edge by programming yourselves by by you being thankful by you putting the energy out can you directly impact the various cells in your body to in your body to function more properly because you are, are you know, charging them up
1: you absolutely are and there's actually a uh i forget his name but there's a japanese researcher who did this with sand so he would put a sound that was you know uh tonal and beautiful, and it would have this perfect configuration Then it would use a dissonant sound, and it would look completely chaotic. That's what goes on in the body. So as I said, mind and body are connected. So if you do live in a a state of gratitude, if you really do that, you realize you can't be fearful. You can't be angry. It doesn't, they don't coexist. And so when you choose that, that, that method or that energy, it does actually put you at a different state cellular state is, it's, it's harmonized. It's like a better way to put it. And when the cells are harmonized, they live longer. The energy is passed from cell to cell. It's not chaotic. There's less room for things to go off track. Cell, cellular repair happens faster. Inflammation drops. I mean, they've even done studies where people pray. And the same thing happens in terms of the the beautiful configuration of the water or the sand. So it actually does count. And words, I used to think sticks and stones and words don't hurt you, but they actually do. So staying away from negative words, negativity, people who are energy suckers or vampires, it's actually very important. And that means staying away from things like the news, quite frankly, because I remember when I used to listen to it beginning of COVID, I felt bad every single day. And I stopped doing it, and I felt so much better. If you nap to get your news, read it instead of listening to it on the TV. And if it doesn't make you feel good, you can turn the page and just move on. So it's about you removing yourself from this bath of negativity. Having a force field of gratitude and positive energy, and letting the body do what it's supposed to do, which is to be self-healing and to live in a way that is it makes you feel good and makes your systems work and aligns with a higher power and in my opinion that's god
0: that's really awesome and it actually aligns to something that the, like dr sinatra steven sinatra was talking about he used to always talk about earthing so you get on the earth and make sure you get to the frequency He always talked about gratitude and what i wanted to ask you is when people go to the doctor i guess they're just, they're just there for treatment are there any types of tests you'd recommend people take to check certain vitals within their body should they be checking for their vitamin levels should they be checking for how much how many heavy metals they may have within their body are there other tests that would be considered that not really commonly offered that people can learn a lot about themselves if they just went ahead and got it even if they didn't get through the doctor's office
1: that's a good question. I think vitamin D is a really important uh, hormone to check because that's one of the underpinning of your immune system. And again, it's so important that it's high normal because it has so many positive benefits. I think you need to have your, uh, your obviously the typical white count, blood count, make sure you're not anemic, um, checking your liver enzymes, your the basic systems, urinary tract health, your liver health, and your overall um, ability for your body to carry oxygen. I think that's really important. Functional medicine doctors go a little deeper. So they're looking for things like, you just said, heavy metals, whether you have various toxic molds in your system. It, it happens really, it's amazing, especially in the South. There's a lot of mold that people get exposed to. And even in the construction construction industry. So if you have mold in your system, It is another thing that can dovetail with EMFs and make you sick. So you can have problems with concentration, memory. You think you have a neurological issue, and it's actually mold toxicity. It's kind of interesting. Wow. So having your urine checked for these metabolites would be important, heavy metal, molds, that sort of thing. And that's a specialty test. Not all doctors do that, but that would be interesting. Yeah.
0: And Dr. Elena George, I want to thank you so much over the years at Canteo, how much uh, respect and admiration I have for you. Uh, I love what you do and I love what you stand for. And uh, you're definitely a bright light in this uh, increasingly dark world. Uh, you can learn more about Dr. Elena George by going to her website, DrElenaGeorge.com. She also has this wonderful book that came out a number of years ago called Big Medicine. If you read this, you're going to be shocked at how many of her predictions came true and how many predictions on she said in the last show came true. Dr. George also has a wonderful podcast called Living in a Solution with Dr. Elena George. Dr. George, thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Ryan. It's a pleasure. Thank you.
0: Love and beer. Yay! Take it care and thank you so much for listening.